This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International or PSI Warm Line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rock. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all, this is Rowan Two Sisters with Preggers Can Be Choosers. I am a CPM, which is a licensed professional midwife here in Houston, Texas. And um, today we're probably going to talk about the freeze. And I also want to revisit vaccines, especially as it, revo- re, um, as it relates to COVID and uh, anything else that we want to talk about and get off our chest. And that's me. Hey, I'm Caitlin. Uh, I've got a six and a half year old and a three and a half year old and we survived the freeze. Um, it was rough, but what part, what of the last year has not been? So um, chalk it up to another disaster lived through. Hey, I'm Bev. I, sorry, I'm driving. Um, so I'm a little bit distracted, but. So we, we made it through the freeze. My oldest daughter named it the pandemic inside of a pandemic, which was fitting. Um, it was rough, but I mean, we got through it and definitely consider myself one of the lucky ones because we did have power most of the time um, and we didn't have any pipes burst. So we got really lucky. I'm Eli. I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And we did not have pipes first, but we did lose power and water. And I thought I had a handle on um, anxiety and depression that I've been working through. Wow. I, my emotions got, got here real fast, um, that I've been working through the past year, but this week was a reality check that I'm not where I thought I was, or this week put me back away. So I'm hoping to hear some, uh, resources maybe from you guys and, um, Understanding when postpartum depression is no longer due to being postpartum and maybe it's something else. Hi, I'm Tiffany. I am a mom of two girls. Um, Lily is six in first grade virtually. And because our school district is going back in person, her teacher took a leave of absence. So now she has a brand new teacher virtually and she kind of doesn't understand why. Um, Willow turns five next week. She um, keeps telling us, I'm excited for my birthday, but I'm also a little scared. Um, She has acquired a nervous picking habit of picking her nose and eating it and it's become a problem that she has a sore in her nose now. So um, we're working with that physically, but also like emotionally. 
a little bit as we as much as we can. Um, and my husband is a teacher, and he goes back to the building this week uh, for two days a week, um, and he gets his first dose of the vaccine on Friday, which um, basically he was like handed out an appointment. Um, he was on a waiting list in two different counties and his old principal contacted him and was like, do you need a vaccine? So it's kind of just luck and chance that he's able to, you know, get the, at least the first dose in because he's been on a waiting list since he knew he had to go back in buildings. Um, and we're just going through the motions of having a freeze up here in the north and it thawing out and then another freeze and then it thawing out. Um, that's about it. Okay, well, let's um, take care of Eli first because that's most important and then we'll um, lap around to vaccines if we have time. So Eli's, uh, and I wanna say, like I thought I was really handling stuff well too. Um, I was in Marfa and uh, it froze and I knew it was gonna be bad because I knew about the grid and stuff, but it froze, power went out and, they were like, and then the cell towers went out and I was like, oh snap, not knowing what's going on is super anxiety inducing. And it was like, we were off the radar and like my dad couldn't find me. They knew, my family knew where I was, but um, then like even my brother-in-law texted me and said, call your sister. And I was like, dude, I would if I could, you know? So like we had no cell from like, I guess like 6 a.m. to like three in the afternoon or something. And my phone was blowing up by the time I got back on it. But interestingly enough, when the power went out, it was 4.05 a.m. because I get up at 4 a.m. to study uh, bhakti yoga, which is like the, the philosophy of yoga as opposed to the asanas, which is how you move your body. And so I just signed on and this guy that like, he was like, hey, you know, and like saying hi to everybody in this group study. And then the power went out and I was like, oh shit, is it just me? And then I looked and it was like the whole town, nothing right? So it was crazy. So all of Marfa didn't have power for a long time. And then I thought I was handling it really well. Um, like the power came on in like three or four days. It never got like super cold. I mean, it was like, it's the desert, you know? So like it was getting warm in the afternoon, like, you know, 50 or whatever. And then it would go down to 12, but it was fine. You know, like I was fine. Um, my sister was really worried about me, but I was fine. And then, um, but Saturday after everything had come back on, it, I didn't have hot water, but whatever. Um, everything is on. I like lost my shit. I totally lost it. Somebody was like um, slightly inappropriate in an AA meeting that I attend online. Like, you know, maybe on a scale of one to 10, it was like a five, right? But I reacted like it was DEF CON level 18 million, you know, like I was like losing my shit. I was crying. I hate everything. I had a bunch of M&Ms. Like it was out of control, man, out of control. Um, and then I was like, I'm never going back here. And then I had such a bad day, like I couldn't be productive or work or anything. And it's kind of a work retreat for me. So I epically lost my own shit, you know? Totally. And this was just because somebody like spoke out of turn at an AA meeting, like really off the rails here. Okay. Then I had a drinking dream that night that I was drunk and like in a blackout, like just zero to 60 there. So I was like, oh, maybe I should go home. So I did on Sunday. So that's how like, I feel you. I feel you on the aspect of um, having this experience really revealed a lot about ourselves where we thought we were mental health and physical health and like stability wise. So what else do what does anybody else have to contribute to that conversation and supporting Eli? And Eli's question was, how do you know when postpartum depression is just depression now? It's not postpartum anymore. Um, so the storm also caught us off guard. Um, and I grew up, both my husband and I grew up in a cold state. And so it caught us off guard. And it sent me spiraling back into anxiety because I didn't know what to do here. Um, because I felt really unprepared because like our preparedness was for hurricane season. Like we got prepared for hurricane season and this was a totally different kind of storm. So it caught us completely off guard. Um, and yeah, sent me down the spiral of anxiety of like doing everything we could when we got like 30 minutes of power, right? Um, but going back to when I had my first, um, I don't know exactly when my regular postpartum depression turned into just regular anxiety and depression. I don't know that it 
actually changed. I think it just continued through. Um, like it, it, like I was seeing Dr. Blythe for two years um, after everything, but then I had so many life events that continued to happen and things continued to snowball. I don't know that there was actually a definitive like, okay, this is no longer postpartum depression. It's like everything just kept snowballing in together. Um, so it was just a continuous thing. I, I don't know that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how you would differentiate between the two, other than that it feels like it snowballs. Um, and I don't know, maybe there's some fancy doctor definition for or time period. Um, yeah, for me, it just continued. Um, I definitely want to second what Caitlin said about that. Just, I think it's more of a time period thing than anything. Um, I believe when I when I got to the point where I was like, okay, I. I really think I need to start taking medication. I think it was probably like two months postpartum. Um, Cause I was just like, I, I'm pretty sure I've read that it takes about a year to 18 months for your hormones to like level out. But that after six weeks, not that you like shouldn't be crying anymore, but that if you're still like, in that really deep slump that that's not I don't want to say it's not normal because I think it's normal but it's still like you definitely should be reaching out for help I don't know if I'm saying that right but um it's I think important to err on the side of caution and just you know if you're depressed then call it what it is and and reach out for help. And um, obviously not everyone needs to be on medication, but I personally did. And I still feel like that was just the best choice for me and I'm still on it. And I don't know how long I'm gonna be on it, but I'm totally fine with that. And um, it, it helps me and therapy and this group and just, it's a shitty feeling. And I also did not realize exactly where I was mentally until the storm happened. I thought I was so much better off. And um, the same thing happened. Like uh, it was just uh, a lot of anxiety and trying not to rub the anxiety off onto my kids. And um, yeah, every, every time the power would go off and then come back on again it was like okay we need to you know make sure we have this and make sure we have that and and we ran out of water and and we got to charge all these things and make sure we have batteries and the flashlights and you know like I was trying to like say it so matter of fact without being like everyone you know like everyone hurry and get your shit together um and that's when my daughter was like mom like this is like a pandemic inside of a pandemic and I was like I know it fucking sucks dude <laughs> like I'm sorry that you're having to live through this <laughs> as a child because <laughs> this is like um like it gives us so much anxiety but I can't even imagine what that must feel like as as a as a kid I do a little bit actually because uh Y2K happened <laughs> when I was like in elementary school and I remember everyone freaking out and nothing actually happened obviously but I remember my parents like they were they were freaking out and we were like about to like join a militia or something it was crazy so <laughs> but yeah anyways that's all I have to say for now Bev after which after what number child did you start taking medication and like how did you know that you needed to go down that way um I'm trying to remember 
if I started taking medication after the third one, it was sometime after the third child was born. And I should have started taking medication way before that, but I was very um, apprehensive about it because I watched my mom go through years and years of medication cycles, just nonstop. And I was terrified of it and I didn't want any part of it. And I got to a point where um, I was suicidal and, um, and then got pregnant with a third child. And it was not a good situation. And then when I think the third one was, I wanna say a year old, I started taking medication and uh, the first one I tried did not work for me. And then the second I tried did not work for me. And then I was trying, I was having really bad insomnia. So I was taking antidepressants and sleeping medicine. And then this was interacting with that. And you know, I mean, yeah, you know the story. So it took me a while to realize what worked for me. And then, and then I stopped taking them and, and that didn't, work out well and some years went by and then got pregnant with number four and my midwife was like okay we know your past we know what happens let's be prepared you know let's just hope that that doesn't happen but let's be prepared for it and we were like I was ready and I was like I'm gonna take medicine if I need to and then the time came and I said I need to take medicine and I got on and I've switched one time since then um, but the, what I'm on now is awesome and it definitely doesn't, you know, my life isn't perfect and I still have anxiety and I still get sad, but, um, I feel so much more stable than I have in a long time. And I would say that was probably two months after my fourth child. So for some reason, it took me a very long time to, uh, learn from my own mistakes. After this baby was born and I went for my follow-up visit, I told my doctor like, hey, this is kind of how I'm feeling. And she immediately said, oh, I can get you something for that. I was like, well, hold on. Like I have a support group. I have a counselor. Like, let me explore that. Did I wake you up? I'm sorry. Um, let me explore that first. Cause I, I feel like I have good tools. It just hasn't really, maybe I'm being impatient about the effect. Um, and then that was kind of the end of it with her. And it's very much a roller coaster. So like when it's bad, it's really bad. And then when it's fine, I'm like, oh, look, I totally got myself out of that. Like, I'm okay. And I don't think that's a long-term solution to handling these. <laughs> I know, I will. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think that's a really big thing to recognize is that you have tried a lot of other things and maybe it's time to try something different because, you know, like that's talk therapy worked for me that, you know, it took me a long time, but it worked for me. Whereas Bev, she knew that she needed something more than that. And that's okay too. You know, it's, it's recognizing what you need and the worst case scenario is you try something and it doesn't work. Um, but to do nothing is also not working. So, um. Hey y'all, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get right back to it. Getting back to our real talk after birth style. Yeah, I, I would say try something. Um, keep coming to group and see if that helps and you know, um, keep listening to the podcast, keep doing all those things. And then, you know, if you need to explore other options, 
there are a lot of options, right? I think that part is a little intimidating, like knowing there are so many options and I question whether I would know it is or isn't working. Like I have that level of distrust in my own body that I don't, I don't know if I could say like, oh yeah, it's, this is not the right choice or this is as good as it gets and it's still not good or I don't know. There's just a lot of distrust there. And like Bev said, like I haven't been sleeping and I, I got the lovely privilege of doing a sleep study during our winter storm. So hopefully I can get some information on that. Um, but just, I think a lot of the, the talk around me and like from my family is like, you're fine. Why do you need any of this? Like life is hard, like just do it anyway. Um, and that's not helping the situation, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> if only I could tell them that, right? <laughs> Two words, one finger, people. Two words, one finger. Because my thought was like, let your people around you help monitor what's going on, right? When we don't trust ourselves, we look to our people. But it sounds like your people are letting you down. So guess what? You got some new bitches now, okay? One time we had a group, I don't know if you heard this episode, but like Bev was hiding in her closet and like the people in the group were so loving and kind in that moment. And that's, I think that was one of our like best episodes ever where we could reflect back to Bev what was going on and, and like really having that reflection. And I remember when my mom died, um, I didn't like, I didn't have a mirror. You know, I used to judge who I was or assess, maybe is a better word, assess who I was by, um, looking at the reflection in my mom's eyes and I didn't have that anymore. And so it sounds like when you look to assess yourself and the reflection of your people's eyes that they're not doing a good job of reflecting back to you. So we're happy, I'll make an I statement. I'm happy in this group to pick up some of that weight. And I think the rest of us are too. So that's kind of the nature of this group that we're here to reflect back to you and be a good sounding board. I wanted to say on a personal level, as far as like mood support, um, one time, uh, Golden Girls, Dorothy, who is my fave, um, said that she takes, she doesn't want to take her weight in supplements every morning. And that is exactly what I do. I take so many supplements for mood support because y'all, I'm terrible if I don't have all those. And I don't care. I'll be eating rhodiola and, you know, lithium and whatever, some mood support and kratom and all this shit. I'll be eating that every day for the rest of my life because I'm a better person for it. Um, so I just wanted to say that, that I have my own level of intervention. And there are people close to me who take um, mood support that's chemical you know, like it's not plants or whatever. So we all have to find that pace for ourselves. But I really want to um, give snaps and shout outs to Bev for being like, you know what, screw this noise, I'm taking some medication. And that's how it is. We don't have to be so crunchy. Like that's the, not the hill we got to die on here about medication. Okay. Yeah, I used to be super crunchy. That was one of my problems. Um, but you said something that just, I just, when you said it, I just wanted to like scream because I know exactly how you feel. You said, um, is this just as good as it's gonna get or something along those lines? And um, no, it's not. And if you're not okay, that is not as good as it's gonna get. And, and it's not like, don't, it's okay to not be okay right now, but that's not gonna go on forever and it shouldn't. And um, there are solutions and I don't know what the solution is going to be for you. It might not be the same thing that it was for me, but there are solutions. Bev, how did they, how did, how did you just, decide and how did you figure out which medication was right for you like what were you feeling that it was like this is not right and then who helped you navigate that because that's something else she was at you know worried about was the number of options and choices out there and it feels overwhelming so can you walk us through some of that process because I haven't been through it personally so I don't have anything to 
to say on that? Um, the number one thing is to find a provider that you trust. And I know that that's really difficult. Um, I saw, what is her name? White. What's her name, Rowan? She's a midwife. Melissa White. The CNM. Melissa White. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, I went to her. She was one of the first people I saw. I went to her and she, um, like, I explained everything to her that I was feeling. And she was like, you are not in a good state right now like like she told me straight up like you're not okay this is not okay for you to be like feeling like this and she suggested that I start off with Zoloft and she wanted to hear every one of my thoughts and concerns about it she wanted me to let her know you know how I was feeling on it and she said if you still feel like this within this time then we'll do this and and um, I ended up not uh, going to her office again because it was a very far drive for me, but she would talk to me over the phone and she was, she was a really good provider. Um, and then I ended up just going to my primary care doctor to get prescribed um, another medication when the Zoloft, uh, it was, had some side effects that I wasn't a big fan of um, that I don't like to talk about side effects like specifically because I feel like it can put stuff in people's minds that I don't know if that's just me or what if I hear of a side effect I'm like oh my god that's gonna happen to me so I was feeling some side effects that I didn't like and this was after um, almost a year of taking it I think and uh, they switched me over to a different medication and it just happened to be the right one for me. Uh, it's hard to say the medication journey can be really difficult because if you try something and it doesn't work for you, um, then you have to experience, you know, switching medications and seeing if that works and waiting six weeks. And then if that doesn't work, then, you know, and, and it can be, it can be hard. Like if it doesn't work right away. Um, but if you're in a state of either being suicidal or even if it's not suicidal or like wanting to hurt yourself or wanting to hurt someone else, one of my biggest things was intrusive thoughts. And it was, it was constant. It was all the time. I could not get them out of my head um, of horrible things that were going to happen to people I loved. And um, that was like the number one reason why I knew that I needed to be on medication. And um, so find a doctor that you trust and that will listen to you and your concerns and, um, and go from there. And it, you know, one medicine is going to work for me and not for you or the other way around. And it's, it might take some time, but th those are just, my thoughts um, that if you are in one of those states that I named off, in my opinion, you, you might need some more help. And of course, I'm not a doctor, but that's just from my personal experience. Hey Maggie, we're um, talking with, uh, we're doing some hotspot work with Eli, who's having just a rough time since the freeze and all this. And um, and before that, she's got a year old baby plus some other kids and just feeling like her postpartum depression is uh, maybe galloping into just plain Jane depression. And that's kind of what we're 
talking about right now and interventions. And I want to remind you that always sleep, nutrition, water, and some type of daily fitness or being outside is a big part of uh, regulating body hormones. I'm uh, I'm here to listen today. So Eli, let talk it up, girl. I'm actually gonna see if I can put her down and then I'll come right back. Rowan, let's hear from what, what what's what's going on with you. How how are you doing? I I see that you're having some plumbing issues. Those chickens were a good distraction. Honestly, I was like, what is it? What is, what's up with these chickens? Oh wait, let me read these words. How's uh, how was it going for you? So what Maggie's talking about is that we're friends on Facebook and um, while I was in Marfa, a pipe bust in the Airstream, for those who care, um, I live in an Airstream in my sister's backyard. And so um, there's a blank black holding tank and Airstreams from the seventies don't have a gray tank, which is like, you know, sink water as opposed to black water is, well, as you might infer things that maybe you don't wanna get messed up in. So um, I used to drain it down. Uh, the drain out for the house is close to the Airstream. It's about 30 feet away. And I used to have a black tube and I would like mess around with it. And at some point it just became overwhelming and I didn't do it anymore. So while I was out of town, a pipe bust and filled the entire black tank full of water and up in the tub and everything. And it's like dripping over the side. And so all the black water is like low enough down that it's not rising up into the tub, but I need to get the whole thing dumped pretty quickly. So I was trying to find somebody who they have mobile RV dump services. So that's what I posted on Facebook. But I just threw a ch chicken picture up there because it, you know, because um, it's chickens, but these chickens are chickens, like none of those chickens are alive anymore. I think I have one from that time period. That's from my old house um, that I lived in like five years ago. But um, when I was in Marfa, I had just bought some Samani chickens. Those are those black chickens. So my sister <laughs> had to take care of chicks that are like a month old. And it was like, you know, no degrees in this house. So, um, but she kept them all alive. Snaps to my sister. Yes, kept all the chicks alive. Because I was in Marfa with my dog, who's relatively low maintenance. But she had five chicks and my cat, plus my three older chickens. Like, you know, snaps to Dr. B for keeping everybody alive. So, um I wanted to say that. Um, I have a job interview, I think, today. So I'll let you know how that goes. Um, but I don't really need another job. So I'm just kind of, my sister was like, you don't have to take this job. I was like, okay, great, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it's midwifery related. So when I know more, I'll, I'll tell you guys. But um, I'm not doing direct care, even though people keep sending me people to, um, to interview me to be their midwife. And I'm like, I'm not doing direct care right now. But I'm super interested. I'm taking the stream class right now, which is about connective tissue. And I'm learning about, there's this phenomenon where people will be thinking about something like a past memory or whatever, and I'm touching them and I'll bring something up and they're like, I was just thinking about that. How did you know? And it was always like considered kind of woo woo. But then I've been learning about like um, connective tissue structures and how they kind of like encode um, kind of like a pulse based on um, like a binary, the zero and the one of like a computer and how they record like images and stuff like this on the super fine tune like zero one type thing and then when connective tissue gets manipulated it kind of sends a wave and your body kind of like has that memory based on what it's already been like encoded in this crystal in this uh, connective tissue on this binary coding and so then that pulse moves through their body and then it goes into mine and that's how I pick it up and I was like oh okay sure so I've been learning a lot from this class but I've been doing a lot of pelvic floor work and punental nerve entrapment I'm really interested in that and I'm just really fascinated by connective tissue right now Anything that anybody has wrong with them, I'm sure the bottom line is connective tissue. You know how you know how when you hear something, you're like, gray vans are the problem with the whole world. And then everywhere you go is a gray van. That's what's going on with me and connective tissue right now. I'm sure it's connective tissue. That's the problem. Eli, it's connective tissue. Get in here, dude. I'll help you fix it. Connective tissue. Okay. Um, but so I'm okay. Um, and I'm like, I feel fine. Whatever. I'm doing a lot of self-improvement stuff, but that's not new. Okay. All right, Eli, what else you want to say? We got a little bit more time here to help look at that. Or we can talk about my second topic is vaccines. Uh, 
I just want to thank you guys for the suggestions and um, Bev walking through what that looks like. It's helpful to know that a provider who prescribes something will give you some parameters to work with um, as far as how long to give it and kind of what to look for. Um, like you said, finding a provider that I trust and that um, has that time to take all the information in. Um, that has always been difficult, but I'm maybe making progress on that. I did get a lot of labs done in the fall trying to figure out like, can I work with supplements? How can I do that? So I don't take my whole weight in supplements, but like a pretty good portion of it. Um, I'm just really bad at remembering, like I have to have the little Amazon device announce it every morning to remind me to go do it. Um, and I've been doing Mama Strong and trying to get outside. Obviously the world is not a supportive place for mothers right now. So that is just um, nothing I can control. I'm trying to work with what I've got. Um, but you guys gave me a lot to think about. Um, my husband was really impacted when I totally broke down over the weekend and um, kind of drew a line and said, you need to get help, whatever that looks like. You need to do something, um, which was hard to hear, but he needed to say how he felt. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to people. I'm going to get more information, try to figure out like how to navigate it. Cause it's not like you can <laughs> just like Google, what do I do when I feel like shit? Like <laughs> you don't really get a, a lot of direction from that. So this has been very helpful. It is very hard to hear that, especially from people you love. Um, but he's doing it for you too. So I had to have a couple of people tell me the same thing that I needed more than what they could offer. And um, sometimes that was, that was the push that I needed was because I, I needed for somebody else to see that I was not okay. Because otherwise I felt like I'm just making this up. Like I felt like I was making it up that I was not okay. But when somebody else saw it too, I was like, oh, okay. It's not just me. It is visible and there is help and it will be okay. And that they needed to say that for, for my health and for theirs. And I will say that like it made my relationship with my husband a lot stronger because I knew he was looking out for me too, um, because he wanted me to be okay. And it doesn't last forever, it does get better. Once you find the thing that works for you, it gets better. I do have someone who's supposed to come help me clean this disaster from the past week. So I'm hoping that'll be a good first step. Maybe that person who's coming to help you clean can literally clean and you can go take a bath or sit outside because, you know, sh shut it off for a bit. Yeah, the first thing I thought about was like, oh, I can get so much work done. <laughs> then I had to dial it back like, okay, gotta fill me up first. And the other stuff can wait, it's okay. Courtney from Mama Strong, um, for those who are listening, is a friend of mine, and she really gets on my ass about zero tasking. She wants me to just sit there and do nothing. Don't just do something, sit there, and zero task. I'm like, what? 
Tom, I could be doing nine things at one time right now. Zero tasking. I personally hate zero tasking. I am not very good at it. I think it's hard for all parents, specifically female ones, who don't know how to shut off because there is so many things to do every day, but it's a really good thing to practice. Zero tasking, I'm gonna steal that term. That's something I struggle with a lot. And like last night I was talking to Blake before we were about to go to bed. And, you know, last week was supposed to be, you know, just a four day weekend and then the kids returned to school and then everything happened and shit hit the fan. And then we were all, you know, just together the whole time, like in each other's faces. And um, I started, you know, going a little bit crazy. And then last night I was like, oh, tomorrow's going to be the first day that, you know, you're back to work and the kids are back to school. And um, I'm going to be all by myself with just Gemma. And I was like, I'm going to get so much done. I'm going to be cleaning and this and that. And then Blake was like, really? You don't want to just like chill? And I was like, uh, no, I have so much to do. And then he was like, you've been doing shit nonstop all week. I think you need to just chill. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that advice because you're really good at that. And I'm not so much. <laughs> like That's one thing that like, sometimes I'll get mad at Blake for just chilling. And I shouldn't get mad at him because he's not a lazy person. But there's times that, you know, I'm running around doing this and that. And he's playing video games. And that's like his escape. And it's annoying to me, but I'm like, oh, he's just fucking playing video games again. But I'm like, you know what? He needs that. He needs to just chill. And really, I need to be doing the same thing. And I'm not good about that. And I should not be getting mad at him because he does a lot of shit, too. But he knows when to chill. And I can see Tiffany has the same shit going on. Yeah, it's the same stuff. Like I get upset at him for sitting down, scrolling on his phone. And my mind is like dishes, laundry, pick up dinner. Da, da, da. And it is, he is the one who's like, why don't you take a break? Why don't you sit down and just read with the girls for a minute? You know? And I'm like, oh, like it's this, like some new crazy idea to sit down and relax and take time for yourself. And it, like Caitlin's too, like, it's like the women of the household, you know, just get caught up in all the things to do. And how is it that our male partners, our husbands or whatever, are like, hey, why don't you take time for yourself? I know how to do it. I'll show you how. Not gonna lie, when my husband suggested it years ago after my first was born, because he would go play hockey and he's like, you need some time to yourself. Like you should take a night to yourself, which we haven't done in a year because of the freaking pandemic. Um, but it was super helpful to schedule it. So every month it was, I had Monday nights because he had Tuesday nights, he'd go play hockey and that was his thing. So I would go out on Monday nights and do whatever I wanted. Um, the point was I had to get out of the house because if I was in the house, the children would A, need me, and B, I would be doing chores. So I, for me, it was I had to leave the house to do that. I've gotten better through the pandemic of going, okay, I'm going to take like an hour and I'm going to go take a bath. And I locked the bedroom door and my husband knows he's on kid duty. Um, and that's been really helpful to schedule the time. Cause then I feel like I'm obligated to do it. If I write it on the calendar, it's on the calendar and I'm doing it. So yeah. Advocating for myself when I was in the big black hole was one of the hardest things to do. But when I started doing mom nights with Caitlin and putting it on the calendar, Everyone knew it was coming and I had, you know, I had to go. 
like, you know, it was almost like, even if I didn't want to kind of thing, or, you know, it was never that it was always like, yes, give me more. <laughs> um, and what else was I going to say about the mom nights? I can't remember. Oh, for now, like, um, I do, I've been doing full moon ceremonies or meetings with a friend up in Pennsylvania, but we switched it to zoom. So we would just do it at home, you know, and just chat with each other, whatever. Well, I made the mistake one night of saying that I had like a, a group chat in, and I, the girls knew that I was going to be home and it was fucking hell. I had to stop my zoom. I had to go up and talk to them. They kept coming downstairs and crying. Why aren't you reading books and all this? So even if I'm staying in the kitchen on the computer, we tell the girls that I'm leaving the house, even if I'm not, because it's the only way that they will just like, you know, go to bed. <laughs> I'll also say it was really good for my kids that I would leave because it taught them that other adults were capable of doing things like putting them to bed or giving them baths or making them dinner or getting them a snack or the millionth cup of water before bed. Somebody else was fully capable of handling those things for them. So then it, it trickled into everyday life is that they weren't afraid to ask dad. They wouldn't like, I mean, they still do sometimes, but they won't walk across the house to find me to go, mom, can you get me a cup of water when dad's in the kitchen, you know? I want to mention it's also not as easy for everyone to find that other person like like my husband worked this last Friday and I had a mom date and I went out and so I had my parents watching my kids and I was getting texts the whole entire time he won't stop crying did you feed him well how am I supposed to know when to feed him He's if he's fucking crying, you feed a baby. Like it's just, you, you also have to take the time to figure out like sometimes to map it out for someone to be able to care for your kids. So if that's not something that you can, you know, have with your spouse because they're working, or maybe maybe there isn't a spouse, like that's that's okay too it's okay to map out the support don't give up it, it's it's out there i did take two weeks and clean out our spare room so that i can have a room with a door on it to go into um and I lost my job because of the pandemic or I didn't lose it. Uh, we agreed to not renew my contract when it came up. Um, and I started painting. So I made myself a place where I can go and close the door. It does not lock, but there's a door. So it's, it's better than what I was working with before. So taking the time to go in there and paint for me is harder than like, oh, I have a client. I have something that like I get paid for. That's really motivating, but to sit down and like do it just for fun is still a little bit hard. I get that. Like that it's, it's still hard, especially when it's in your house and you're still looking at all the things that or thinking about it. So um, something I had to do one time was I set a timer. Like I have to be in this room. I don't have to do paint or do anything. I just have to be in this room for an hour. Um, and when the timer went off, then I could go back and do whatever I wanted. But um, yeah, yeah, no matter what, if you schedule it, take it. Otherwise it it's telling everyone that it's not as important as it really is. So that's something else I know that I have had to learn. And I think Bev and Tiff have had to learn too, is that if we don't take it, it's telling people it's not as important and it's cancelable if 
you know, something else comes up. It's like you're putting yourself in an adult timeout. You need your timeout to recalibrate yourself. I remember when my kids were little, I would sit myself in timeout and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in timeout. Don't talk to me, man. <laughs> They'd be like, what? Like most of my kids were adolescents. There was a big age gap. So like when Rose was four, um, Josh was 14 and the twins were 12 and Chad was 13, right? So, um, but I would be like, listen, I'm in timeout. Do not talk to me. I got five more minutes on my timer. Back away. You know, like this is what's up. So, <laughs> all right, my loves. Um, we're kind of wrapping up here. But um, good chat, everybody. This is definitely going in. We're going to upload this. And I'll find the minutes that we spoke about um, vaccines. And I'll just tack it on to the end of this. So um, everybody wish me luck in getting this up. Um, but I want to say we'll be here next week. And uh, every Tuesday at 11, that's our jam going forward. Now to the end of time. We'll just be doing Tuesdays at 11. Now that I've said that, something will probably happen. But anyway, Tuesdays at 11, here we are. We're all together. Thank you last week, Tiff, for hosting because uh, you had a power. Some of us did not. And, um, you know, we're all just in this together. I just want to say that, that, you know, my favorite song from, uh, I think, Train is, you know, I won't give up if you don't give up. And so we're not going to give up on each other, all right? We're all here together, and we're going to keep expanding our hearts and our group. And uh, one day we'll look up, and there's 100 of us. But until then... Happy to see you girls, okay? Girls, gals, cats, kids, whatever. All right, let's unmute ourselves and say that we love each other because we do. I don't even care if you're lying, say it anyway, and uh, I'll see you next week. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Keep Thank it real. You. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers rocks and we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.